series on aerobics. I'm starting in a new series now, and it's going to be a character study on a man by the name of Abraham, okay? We're going to go several weeks. We're going to look directly at Abraham. Okay, Abraham, the title of the entire series is called Blessed to Bless, and the sermon tonight is called Traveling to Who Knows Where. How many of you have ever taken a trip and not known where you're going? Okay. All right. I guess I'm the only one. Uh, Dane and I, we were just newly married, and we decided that we were going to go on a vacation. We were living in Garland, Texas, and we packed our bags and loaded them in the car, and we took off. Tank full of gas. The only thing unusual about the trip is we didn't know where we were going. Isn't it nice to be young and spontaneous and just kind of do things, okay? Well, we started out west on Interstate 30, got to 635. We went to the south and finally came to an interchange down in the southeast part of Dallas, and we could have turned to the right and headed down I-45 and gone to Houston and Galveston, Texas, or we could have turned left and gone to Louisiana and planned to drive down to New Orleans. And I decided at the last moment, I said, Dana, where do you want to go? She goes, I don't care. I want to go where you want to go. I said, well, we've been to Galveston together. Let's go to New Orleans. We've never been there. So we went to New Orleans. And having uh, the chance to do it all over again, I think we'd have gone to Galveston. But the whole point was we really didn't know where we were going, okay? We were taking a trip, just really didn't know what the destination was going to be. And it was actually a lot of fun. We had a good time, okay? But I want you to look at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I believe it's up here on the screen. And the Scripture says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found their plain in Shiner and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And then we go to Genesis 12 and 1. It's just like this. It all changes, okay? They're building a tower to reach to God so that they can make a name for themselves. It wasn't anything spiritual toward God. It was all about their carnality, okay? Then we turn right to Genesis 12 and 1, and we dive in, and it changes all together. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then Hebrews 11 and 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I have something in common with Abraham. Abraham has taken a trip. He didn't know where he's going. Scott and Dana took a trip, and we didn't know where we were going. Okay, What if I were to go out here to Tulsa International Airport, and I would go up to the person that's boarding the passengers, and he asked me for my boarding pass, and I were to respond to him by saying, I don't have one. Well, where are you going? I don't know. Well, what are you going to do? I really don't know, but I'm a mission, on a mission from God. 
Well, that's kind of where Abraham, there's Abram back then, okay, at that time, all right? Take away the airports, take away the airplanes and the technology, and that's basically what you have here with Abram. At this point, his name is Abram, and he gets the name changed later. He was invited by God on this journey, but he didn't know where this was going to end up, okay? Did you know that that's what the church is? The church is a traveling body. It's not a static institution. The church is the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. And we're to travel to where he is going. And the truth is we can only call ourselves the church if we are willing to be on the move. Okay, and that's not just exactly what I'm talking about here. Okay, but I'm going to stop here and add a little commercial here. Some of you are kind of wondering where we're going to be going. Well, we don't know exactly yet, but I will assure you this, we're working on it. Okay? All right. The church as individuals is asking Jesus to come where we are. When we ask him into our heart, we're saying, Lord, come where we are. The church collectively is, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Number one, it's a journey with the reason. And the world desperately needs God. And that's no big surprise to all of you. But the world does desperately need God. I'm convinced that we must reaffirm ourselves that the world needs Him. This Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, I'm watching Fox News. I'm still gathering in information about the elections last Tuesday night. I'm watching Hannity to be specific. There's an interruption in the broadcast. It's a bulletin from Thousand Oaks, California. There's been a shooting in a nightclub there. In the aftermath, 11 patrons of the club are dead. One sheriff has been killed, and apparently the shooter took his own life. I don't usually use John Lennon's songs, but I think I'm using this one in a proper manner tonight. John Lennon says in his best-selling single ever, Imagine, he says this. He said, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. That song is one of the hundred most performed songs of this century. John Lennon's song and the idea if we could just get rid of God, this world would be a better place. And I believe that's what's going on in the United States of America today. I think they've tried to do it in Europe, and they've been pretty effective. But they want us to do without God here, and they think it's going to be, we're going to be better off. But I want to tell you this, that that experiment has already been tried, and it doesn't work. Let me explain to you. Genesis 1 through 11 is what we know is primeval history. Everything begins with creation. And then the first murder takes place. 
And there's a downhill track descending to Genesis 11. Everything gets pretty terrible. The people try to do this humanistic experiment. They're going to build this tower called Babel. They want to banish God and make a name for themselves. And God scatters those people who would attempt to banish Him. Suddenly, all of a sudden, turn the page, like I said before, to Genesis 12. He's already scattered the people, and God launches His kingdom community project when He calls Abraham. Following Isaac and the formation of the tribes of Israel, we later see Exodus, and they travel toward the promised land. And then there's that gathering at Mount Sinai, and they're given the Ten Commandments. What's God doing here? He scatters the humanistic community, and He's forming a kingdom community through Abraham. It's going to demonstrate to the world that there is one true God, and this is how you live with Him. What's God doing here? Okay, The experiment started out real well, but along the line it got cluttered with legalism and exclusivism, and the world gets dark. And the Heavenly Father sends His Son, Jesus, and Jesus comes and teaches about the kingdom of God. He lives, He dies, and is ascended into heaven. Now I want you to take this snapshot back to Genesis chapter 11. There's this tower. The languages are confused. The people are scattered. And then we fast forward to Acts chapter 2. The power of God comes down. The people aren't trying to rise up. Suddenly the church is born. The people begin to hear the gospel in their own languages. They're coming back together. Okay? The Tower of Babel was the place of confusion, and the upper room in Acts chapter 2 was the place of clarity. And it all started with the call of Abraham to take a trip, and he didn't know where he was going. You see, this church is not, this journey is not just about the church, it's about a world that needs God. People are finding out that life without God just simply doesn't work. Living life without God is like driving a car that's supposed to have unleaded gas and putting diesel in it. How many of you ever done that? I'm with you, Virginia. I can identify. Wow. I I really thought I'd be the only one, but I I feel so much better. We're not designed to work without God. Life just doesn't work right without the Lord. Number two, it's a journey with an invitation. He's invited all. Here's the deal. God breaks into the Adams family. How many of you ever watched the Adams family? Okay. Well, God breaks into the Adams family. Do-do-do-do-do. 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 No, I think I got into the Hogan's Heroes there. Anyway. How many of you think, don't raise your hand, how many of you think Abraham was called because he was a really good guy? You're right. (laughs) He wasn't called because he was a really good guy. Okay? 
The Jews really pushed that idea. Abraham was this great and holy guy, and God reached down, touched him, called him. That's not the case, okay? He was chosen, not because he was a good guy. He was chosen because God was a really good God. Abraham came from the Adams family. We all come from the Adams family. Abraham came, in truth, from a polytheistic family. His family believed in all kinds of God. All right? His father was named after a moon god. His wife was named after a moon god. And the city where he's lived was known for human sacrifice. Adam had a sister from another mother, and he married her. He married his half-sister. You see, what God blesses, he doesn't necessarily endorse. Think about that. Do you see that the idea that Abraham was a perfect, good, awesome guy just isn't true? The truth is God uses fragmented, broken, and incomplete people. If someone were to ask me, what's the best lesson that I have learned during the year of 2018, I would have to answer honestly this. Everything is broken. Some of you say, Scott, are you getting cynical in your own age or your, my old age? No. But I think I'm losing my idea of some of the idealism in the world. This may hurt your feelings, but every person is broken. Every church is broken. Every denomination is broken and every organization is broken. We will set up ourselves for disappointment if we don't think that this is true. My life is broken. But guess what? It's being put back together piece by piece and my God is doing it gradually. Abraham was broken and I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but you can count yourself in. It's not something that we like to come to grips with, but it's true. Number three, it's a journey with God and not just for God. It's with God and for God. The Lord is the traveling companion on this trip that we don't know where we're going. God says to Abraham, I'm going to take you to a land and I'm going to show you that land. He doesn't just send him. He says, I'm going to show you. Did you know that God can lead us and guide us even when we're unaware? Wouldn't it be great if God would use our technology and send us a text with his plan? He may send a text to you, Jim, and say, Jim, okay, here's the plan. Step one, step two, step three. Then the next would be the objectives. Step one, step two, step three. How many have got a, a text from God like that? That'd make it really, really easy. But what was happening with Abraham when God 
When did God speak to Abraham about this journey? It wasn't in Hebron where he left from. He originally lived in a place called Ur. And when they were in Ur, their father said, hey, let's move. And God said, you were in Ur and I brought you out. And Abraham goes, oh, I thought daddy did that. This was over the top of the human decision. Abraham's daddy decided to move, but it was God moving him. And he didn't know that God was moving him. Number four, it's a journey that includes disruption. And that's a radical call for a seaman. God knew he was asking Abraham to do something really out of the ordinary. God didn't simply say to Abraham, okay, it's time to leave. God informs him of the disruptive cost. He's going to have to leave his land. He's going to have to leave his father's household. And guess what? He's a senior citizen. He's 75 years old. How many of you 75-year-olds here tonight are ready to leave your house, your land, and your family? I don't know many 42-year-olds want to do that. But how does that story translate to me? Well, God, I am available. I offer the life I've got. I know you may want to disrupt some stuff, but I'm still available. I'm going to tell you a story that a minister reads. Apple juice. He told me, he said this. He said he, he was doing life coaching. How many of you have a life coach? That's what really rich people have. You have somebody to help them decide what to do. Well, this pastor is being a life coach for this lady, and she's very successful in the, her job, and she's trying to make some decisions, and she knows that those decisions are going to radically change her life. And she's got three options, and one is stay where she's at, and the other two are I've got to go. I've got to uproot my family, and here we go. And I, I don't know what to do. I want to find God in this. So he said, we're going to make a list of these three options that you have, and I want you to just sit down and write down the things that are pro and con of those things and give them to me, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a red light and a green light beside the things that are appropriate. In other words, the red light are cautions, warnings, okay? The green lights are positive, good things about these things. And so they're right. She's writing down the things that staying where she's at, writing down the things that, that they should go. And all the things that are on her sheet about staying are coming up red with this guy. Occasional green here and there. But the things that are going to be disruptive to her life, over here on this side, they're writing down a lot of green. A lot of green, a couple reds, things like that. But it's a lot more green over on this side about disrupting life. My kids are going to change school. My husband's going to have to go with me, so he's going to have to get another job. And he, he, he made less money and things, so she was actually the breadwinner of the family, you know, so they're going to have to pay attention to this. Right in the middle of doing all of this, she says, oh, I got a call from my husband. I got to go take this. So she walks out of the room. As she walks out of the room, her husband has no idea that she's in this meeting, has no idea 
what's going on, really, right at that moment. But she said, he told her over the phone, Honey, I had a dream last night about you. And all I could see around you were red lights and green lights and yellow lights. And she goes, I, he said, I don't know what this means, but God spoke into my spirit and said, follow the green lights. Well, the preacher, he's freaked out. And she's a little freaked out too. But she said, just tear off that path side of the page where I can stay here and be comfortable because God's calling us to something that's more challenging and disruptive. Have you ever know, known what to do? And you say, God, what do I do? You know, what direction do I turn? Do I make this decision or do I make that decision? What do I do? I had that happen to me one time. Several times, actually. But one time I can remember in particular, and I was wrestling with the decision. And finally, I said, God, I had got to make a decision. It was D-Day. So I picked up the phone, and I called the appropriate people. And there was one thing standing in the way. That was all. And after I made that phone call, I hung up the phone, and the one thing that was standing in the decision, I received a phone call back to me like that after I hung up the phone. And that phone call came in, and it gave me the green light to go ahead. They weren't standing in the way anymore. And it was disruptive. And it changed my life. Are we willing to go through the disruption of God? Surely his disruption in our life will lead to far better. But God spoke to Abraham in Ur. Abraham did not leave immediately. He knew the day before he left, but did not leave until quite a bit later. Some of us know that God is giving us instruction, and we know it might disrupt our lives. Faith is moving from the moment of hearing to the next instruction and the next step. Are we willing to be disruptive in our lives? For the call of God. Whatever that call is. Job. Ministry. Work. School. Whatever. Are we willing to be disruptive? Would you stand with me? Abraham certainly was disruptive. Left his family. Left his land. Going to a place where he didn't know where he was going. Are we willing to go to that place that we don't know where to go? Heavenly Father, I pray that you will speak into our heart, speak to us like Abraham. And Lord God, let us have a heart that will push away fear, will cast down vain imaginations, and will hear only your voice and will follow your leading. Lamb of God, you led Abraham all the way. You didn't leave him to go on the trip by himself. 
just one. And Father, we thank you because you stay closer than a brother. And Lord, even when it seems like you're distant, it's only us probably that have pulled back. Lamb of God, let us hold your hand. <laughs> let us move when you move. Walk when you walk. Father, we're just going to trust you and believe you. And Father, we thank you that you used a man like Abraham that is broken and fragmented as we, we really are. And maybe we're broken and fragmented even more than we even realize. But we do have the confidence, we have the knowledge that you're working on us. You're putting us together, piece by piece by piece. Father, I love you. I give you all the honor, and I give you all the praise in your precious and wonderful name.